Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. The following podcast contains explicit language. Ooh, my favorite Instagram plastic surgeon has a new video about gold-infused lips. What is that? I don't know, but I want it. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we talk to the brilliant and delightful Felicia Day about her new book, Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity. We're also going to talk about why it's good to be a reacher-outer, and we've got an affordable baby gift Hollywood hack. Finally, I had a reality celebrity sighting at my local nail salon. Yay for you. Okay, Liz, you wanted to remind everyone that you and Gretchen are touring this fall. Yes, we are on tour with Happier Hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. We are having so much fun. So please come see us and bring your friends. It's a great mom's night out or office night out. And we are going to be in Kansas City, which is our hometown, and Chicago this weekend. So come see us in KC in Chicago, and tickets are also available for Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Okay, before we get to our amazing guest, we had an interesting response to our conversation with Audrey Monkey in episode 123. So just a reminder, Audrey is the author of a fantastic parenting book called Happy Campers, and she's the host of a podcast, Sunshine Parenting. And we talked with her about how we can create an optimistic atmosphere at work. And Mariana wrote, I am a philosopher who recently published an essay called Against Cheerfulness. So you can imagine I got intellectually excited thinking about this episode on positivity. Earlier, you mentioned loving the phrase, be like a proton, always positive. This haunted me for months because I think it's exactly what's wrong with our society's relationship to the emotions. I got that feeling again listening to you talk to Audrey Monkey. Think of emotions like a color wheel. They are all beautiful and valid, and saying that we should aspire to always be positive is like saying everything everywhere should always be yellow. How limited! What I believe you should aspire to is not creating a positive work environment, or worse, a cheerful one, but a supportive one, a safe space where all true emotions are welcome 
welcome, and we can talk about hard things. This space might include venting, anger, sarcasm, wit, kvetching, lightheartedness, crying, laughing, whimsy, and fun. I think you already do this, but I worry that if you buy into this positivity bullshit, you'll lose that quality that made me hang on to your podcast in a great recent purge. Your voices are authentic and funny, supportive and warm, but not tinged with look on the bright side. You dare to be negative and reveal your truest feelings. I'm one of many who just can't stomach the positivity racket and who feel stifled by the suggestion that we should all aspire to it. Please reconsider. Uh, Well, I appreciate Mariana's impassioned case against cheerfulness. I know. Um, And I totally take her point. We don't want to create an atmosphere at work of forced cheerfulness, like Stepford Workplace. But I do think, Sarah, given our nature, like she said, we do express our frustrations and vents and we're sarcastic. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think for us— Keeping in mind being positive is a good thing. Yes, it tilts our scale more that way. Although I would like to see you try just for like, I don't know, a full day to be fully positive nonstop. I'm like, I just think that would be fun. Maybe for one lunch. I think your head would explode. Probably, yes. (laughs) It's just not who I am. Right. (laughs) Um, But I do take Mariana's point. I think it is important to remember that we should allow room for all emotions. And I'm sure Audrey would agree with that. Yes, I think so too. Like, I think people should be able to cry at work. And, you know, some people think that's crazy. But I think it's important. I agree. So thank you, Mariana, for such a thoughtful response. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's embracing our weird. Yes, the absolutely fabulous Felicia Day has written a new book called Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity. And she's here to talk to us about it. This is, of course, very timely for us because we're writing two pilots right now. So we need that unleashed creativity. Yes. Felicia Day is the New York Times bestselling author of You're Never Weird on the Internet, Almost, and a popular actor who has appeared in shows like Supernatural, The Magicians, and our favorite, Buffy. She also created and starred in the seminal web series, The Guild. Felicia, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, Felicia, I have to say I absolutely love the cover of your book because it's a pencil in the shape of a lightning bolt. And yes. I have chosen lightning bolt as my personal symbol. Oh, really? Yes. You're a little bit of Thor? Yes. Of well, you know, light, I figure successful TV is lightning in a bottle. Oh, so yeah. I chose lightning bolt. So as I soon as that. I saw the book, I'm like, ooh, this is for me. I mean, listen, I to me, you guys are so incredibly creative and successful at your creativity as a career. I'm like, I don't even know why you need this book. But hey, well, I love the fact you like the cover because I'm proud of it, too. When I got it last week, the final one, I was like, ooh, they made it textured and embossed. Yes. Fancy. Yeah, no, that's what I love. No, it's I kept textured. feeling it. I kept feeling it. Yeah. Like the knitter in me really responds to texture. And so I was just like, this is like fiber. It's yes. kind of awesome. Everything about the book is great. Yes. It's also the awesome inside, on the inside. Yeah, the oh, inside is good, too. <laughs> thank you. So what do you mean by embrace your weird, Felicia? Well, I just feel like a fundamental thing in this world is that people are encouraged not to be who they are in order to conform. Mm. And I just want to encourage more nonconformity in this world because it's the thing that make you different that really make you shine in this world, right? Like nobody ever shared a video because it's like every other video they saw, they share a video because it surprises them. It pushes the envelope. It makes you think about something in a a different way. It, it, It elicits an emotion. And so 
I think that there's a lot of toxic things, especially in childhood, that we have to overcome to be truly who we are. And I just want to help people out along the way, wherever they are in that respect. Yeah, it's funny because we always say it's like specificity is what people respond to. So you think you want something to be universal, but actually it becomes universal by being specific. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So you made the book a workbook. And I love this because... The Artist's Way is a very popular workbook for creativity. I have never been able to get into it because I find it so earnest and just, I just, I apologize to people who love The Artist's Way, but it like, it really turns me off. But when I open your book, it makes me excited. Like, it's something, the quirkiness, the specificity, all of that makes it seem... The irreverence. You have a lot of irreverence. Like, you're like, right in the margins. Or or right, fuck you on this page. It's fine, (laughs) you know? And it's like, because... I think that elicits a fun response as opposed to a daunting, like, I have to be an artist Yes, now creativity response. doesn't have to be so fucking deep all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I will say that I, uh, at a turning point in my life, I did do the artist way, and that's what spurred me to do a writing class, which spurred me to do a lot of other things in my life. That was a very long time ago, but it did get me into a place where I could see myself as a creator versus, like, just want to be creator and not get into it. So it really worked for me at a certain time in my life. And I recently went back after I had a baby. I had another life crisis. I'm very mm. good at those. And um, <laughs> semi-professional, I would say. Um, and so I went back to kind of dip my toe in. And I was like, oh, I'm not relating to this in the way that I think I need. Because, A, it is very serious, very borderline therapy, but a very calm, like, let's talk about our childhood kind of thing. And then also there's a lot of spirituality in there that doesn't really connect with me. Mm. Um, You know, it's a a lot of God and creator and thinking about outside yourself for inspiration and support, whereas I kind of am a sort of stoic person. I'm like, you got to get up and get in there, do the work, be gripful. And Mm. so that's kind of my philosophy as a person that's got me this far. And I I was like, I think there's a way to do this in a different way that can complement that. If that works for people, sort of the luxury, more spiritual, more woo-woo kind of thing, great. Whatever works for you works. I want to do a smart, funny, things that take things and turn them on their head and also challenge you to just be a little bit more strange in this world. And I think I don't know. It's just more fun. Every time I tackled a subject like procrastination, which we're all very familiar with, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, how do I come at this from another angle than, that no one has thought about? And I, it would maybe make people laugh a little bit <laughs> because that's, I think, humor really bridges a gap between a lot of things in our lives. And if we can laugh at something, we could see it in a different way that takes the pressure of seriousness off of it. Well, it's interesting because you just mentioned the work and being grateful, which is a great word. I like in the book how you say you can't expect to just uncover talent and then suddenly it's going to pour forth, but you have to work at it. Yeah. Talk about that because I think a lot of people are expecting that tap to just magically turn on and they don't understand the work involved. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Uh, You know, in working through the book, I was kind of putting myself back together as a creator because, like I said, I had a baby. I've been a workaholic. I've had a lot of success in my life. And yet I know I needed to make huge room for this baby in my life. And also I needed to let go of things because I was going to break. But Mm. I didn't want to let go of things. And I didn't know where to go. And I didn't know how to let go of things and still retain my identity, which is what? What am I really inside? Crisis, crisis, crisis. So, (laughs) you know, the process of working through the book was very much like I have a deadline. I have to get this chapter done. I don't know what to write. I need to train myself to embrace the process of not knowing and still doing the work anyway. And so I think as I sort of carved and carved this book out, I personally think the underpinning is that 
You need to identify some kind of creativity that you want to output into this world, whatever it is that activates you. And you have to examine it before committing to it to know if you want to do the work of it. Because I talk about a lot in here where I had an idea of something I wanted to be, like a famous actor or, you know, I wanted to win an Oscar or whatever, these things. And I didn't really – I'd love to be Lady Gaga, but I'm like, I don't actually appreciate the work that will get me to there. I just want (laughs) – I want the end result. Yeah. I want to be on that poster. I want people to be, like, admiring me. Like, uh, of course, all of us have those ego things that get involved. And it's okay to have a little ego that gets us far because we have to swing for the stars and can't know all the stakes or we'd never get off our couches, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, if you aim for one of those stars for this external validation and you don't honestly appreciate the work, then you'll never get over maybe having a down day. You'll never get there because you don't know how to get there. You don't know how to take the steps to get between you and that mountain that you so want to shine on, right? And so, you know, I realized a lot of things about myself in acting. I do love acting, but I didn't in the past approach it from a way that made me empowered to do the work of it. And not putting my whole self-worth on the end result, which is a lot of rejection in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> yes. We all are familiar with rejection. Oh, it's so, yes. it's so much of it. Mm-hmm. Cornucopia. <laughs> a cornucopia of rejection is, oh, God, <laughs> that is Hollywood right there. And, I mean, this applies not just to people in Hollywood, but anywhere. I mean, I think yeah. any yeah. profession you're in, you can benefit from being more creative and weirder. more yourself. More yourself. Yeah. yeah, because who else can bring that but you? Yeah. How do you make yourself indispensable in a world where machines are starting to replace everybody yeah. Then bring that organic point of view that a machine can't duplicate, right? I mean, and you're right. Like, I don't care who you are. You're a marketer. You're a scientist. You know, whatever you do, you can infuse your point of view into it and be creative around that. Be playful. And that's like a core of the book as well. Just try to be playful. Even if you have a horrible problem going on in whatever you're working on, be playful in solving the problem. We can do that. It's legal. (laughs) I'm not bad at being playful. I think this is something that I could really— Oh, sorry. Yes. I am I am not bad at being playful. I know. I was just um, saying, I love that you love that about yourself. No. I'm, in fact, really bad at being playful. I am, too. I don't enjoy being playful Yeah, You work all. on whimsicality. Yes. I, like, I need to focus more on being playful okay. because it's very hard. It doesn't come naturally to me. So interesting. It was tough. Like, this book, when I was writing through it, I would be, like, so hating life and stuck. And because when you're dealing with these things— that you start to just kind of like, I feel like I'm shoveling, you know, shoveling coal in people's faces because you're constantly telling, be creative, embrace who you are, let your voice out. Like, how, what does this mean? Mm. How do we get under this and actually make people feel like this is a real attainable yeah. thing? Well, it, that's one reason I love that there are so many specific exercises to do yeah. is because you're actually saying you want to be more creative, do this. Yeah, It's not just a bunch of words and looking inward and getting in touch. It's like, no, write this thing right now. And I just love that. Well, I had read this book before I started writing my book about childhood learning because I was just really kind of curious about it. And there was something in one of these books that I read that was so impactful. It was like, if you can get these students to do something, all the studies say that if you're able to put it in your body, you can learn it that much faster. And Mm. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So there were a lot of configurations of this book. It's because it's kind of unusual. It's an interactive sort of like, I'm going to tell you one thing and then go do an exercise. And then I'm going to tell you this. So it's a process of building and going through and working back and forth. And like, it was very hard to figure out how to lay that book out just physically. Thank God for my editors and everybody because they did a marvelous job. But it was important to me because I didn't want people to breeze by seven great ideas Uh and not, and then be like, I'll do this later. 
Right. Or I won't really. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then you get that post self-help glow of like two weeks where you're like, I'm going to write a screenplay. And then you just don't do it. Right. (laughs) I mean, believe me, sign me up. I've already done it. (laughs) (laughs) Felicia, you talk about how being creative helps us stretch time. What does that mean? You know, I am one of those people who would love to be that new agey person who goes away for on a silenced retreat, and I just can't even think about <laughs> how to do that. I have a membership to a meditation place, and I've gone maybe twice. Me too. It's probably the same one. Probably one. <laughs> Neither of us have seen the other there because we're never, never there. there. <laughs> yep. So I have the idea that sort of mindfulness is important. And whenever I read Buddhist philosophy or any kind of um, books or, you know, even cartoons with Buddhist philosophy in it, I'm like, oh, that's a great way to be. I don't know how to stand still enough for that. Mm. And so when I think about creativity and how if I spent an evening just consuming other people's creativity, comparing that to the length of time and weight that I feel after I spend a couple hours on my own thing, I feel so much fuller and longer. And they also say that the older you get, time seems to speed up, right? Yes. And that's a physiologic, that's a psychological thing that we have. And it's because we have lived so much more um, that uh, we're not actually challenging our brain. We're not rewiring our brain like we do constantly because we're we've encountered a lot. We've seen it, been there, done that, and therefore we're not encountering new things anymore. And to keep yourself young, you need to be constantly learning and constantly um, exploring, you know, your creativity and just the world, right? And so to me, if you're not going to just go off to China every weekend to learn, you know, about different cultures and different people's perspectives, the easiest way to do that is to really push the envelope of how you can create by yourself. And so those couple hours that you spend with yourself, getting to know yourself more, kind of pushing the envelope of who am I and what do I want to say to this world, I think that is a way to kind of stretch time. I think if you were to go do that, you would feel like, oh, that was a longer amount of time than I spent two hours watching TV, right? Absolutely. Yes. That's a really good way to get yourself to do it, I think, is to think like I'm actually living a longer life. If yeah. I well, we only have creative. a beginning and an end, right? Yeah. <laughs> All we have is a finite number of physical things. Like we're not, we're only thing is infinite, right, is for us to like divide, drill down into the moment. Yes. So the only way we can get more time is to be, just stretch what we have a little bit longer. Make every moment seem like it's several. Exactly. Not to be a downer. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Felicia, before we let you go, I want to ask what your favorite exercise is in the book, if you have one. What's one thing our listeners could do right now before they even own this book, although they should all, of course, go out and get it. Of course. But what's one thing that everyone can do now to tap into their creativity, to unleash the fear? Um, Well, one of my favorite exercises in the book is really just examining your life and writing down. I mean, it's the, the analogy is a tree. So there's a drawing of a tree and looking at that tree and being like, okay, what are the essentials of my life that I cannot let go? And then what are on all the branches? And what of these branches can I cut off in order to mm-hmm. make a very big creativity branch and add it to my tree? Mm-hmm. And so to me, like, I know that time is the enemy to all of us. We're all very busy. We have families or we have obligations. We want to see our friends. We want to consume all the stuff. And yet we have to understand that having a creativity branch on our tree is super important to us in the short term and the long term. So I guess I would challenge people to really look at their lives and see one thing they could excise even 10 minutes a day to put creativity in their life as a habit versus like a one-off. And so that would be the first thing. And then I guess the easiest thing to do is get a little notebook. And every time you want to log on Twitter when you're out and about at the grocery Mm -hmm. store or like an appointment, write down funny things you think about the world and what's around you instead. 
So I think this is like inspired by Larry David because I think he just carries a little notebook and would write down jokes like before Seinfeld and he'd just be constantly out. And and I did that when I was taking a stand-up class and I was like amazed at how much I would leave on the table. Just, you know, I would have so many thoughts. I mean, we don't remember them, right? Yeah. And yet the accumulation of those thoughts, if I had written them down, how many things could I have, how many ideas that I let slip by, how many... How many jokes, how many uh, thoughts, how many just like surprise birthday presents that I didn't think of, you know? So I would say collect yourself because we are kind of worth collecting. Wow. Wow. That's a great way to end. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Felicia. (laughs) Felicia, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) How do you embrace your weird? We want to know. Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we talk about being a reacher-outer, but first, this break. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local Local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. We're back with Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health. Today, we're talking about mental health. Actually, Sarah, I think today's concept can apply to all three. It's be a reacher outer. Right. Sarah, this came up because you noticed that some people in your life are reacher-outers. (laughs) Specifically, a couple of actors we've worked with reached out to you recently. Deachin Lachman, who we worked with on Dollhouse and The 100, and Amy Acker, who we worked with on Angel and Dollhouse. They reached out to you, and you were like, it is so great. These people just reach out. Yes. Amy had a mom's gathering of people who live in the Valley. And Deachin was at it, and Deachin emailed me like, hey, do you want to get our kids together? And I'm just like, people who do that, first of all, they make you just feel fabulous. Right. But it made me realize, like, I just don't do that. And they seem to do it so naturally. Yeah, it was funny because we were just sitting there working, and you said, you know, I don't reach out. Yeah. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> and <laughs> I it think is, you do more than me. No, I don't think so. It is one. What I do is I show up. Yes. And that is something we constantly discuss. (laughs) But one of my life goals truly is to be a reacher outer. It's like how I feel that I will Mm self-actualize is to be a reacher outer. 
It's like being a connector, but it's not actually. It's, you know, like Lori Zacks, our friend Lori Zacks. She's a connector. Yes. Which is a very particular skill of finding people who can add to each other's lives and bringing those people together. A reacher outer is different because you're bringing people into your life and your space. It's not just about kind of connecting others. It's about kind of creating a circle. Yes, around yourself. And there's so many benefits. I mean, it's making friends, obviously, of all sorts, like whether it's mom friends or work friends or gym friends or, you know, dog friends. (laughs) Knitting Um, friends. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so it's about building relationships of all kinds. Right. And I think what we have to realize, as always, fear is at the root of everything we don't do, right? So (laughs) we're probably afraid we'll be rejected, and that's why we don't reach out. Most people are very receptive. They feel good that you're interested in reaching out to them, just the way you felt good that Amy and Deachin reached out to you. Yes. No, I got that invitation from Amy, and I was like, oh, my God, what a wonderful idea, getting people to get, like, and I get to be in this fabulous group of Valley Moms. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to do. I don't do it enough. We need to prod each other more to... Just take more control. Really, nothing makes me happier. It's like Jack's happiness or, second to that, expanding my community. Like, that is the thing that brings me the absolute most joy in life. And I realize the only thing I do to do that is show up to events, which is, by the way, very important. It's like accepting reaching out is also important. Yes. No, I was very proud of myself just for being like, yes. Yes, yes I will. I will come to the party. I will set up a play date. Like, because my impulse, as you know, is to be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can do that. I, you know. Yeah. And Sarah, I think I used to be more that way. Like, I would hesitate because I almost felt like someone might reach out to me, but I didn't even believe they really wanted to be reaching right. out. They felt they were obligated One example of this is when Jack was in preschool. He was in preschool with one kid whose mom is Kelly Wolf. And she was, I will mention, um, one of the stars of uh, the real world New Orleans Um, and Scott Wolf's wife. And she's a fabulous woman in her own right and a life coach. But she reached out to me. And I was like, and I really liked her and wanted to be friends with her. And I was like, well, there's no way this amazing woman wants to be friends with me. I'm just going (laughs) to ignore her. And I always regretted it. They've since moved. But I was like, that lesson, I said, I'm never going to do that again. Next time when someone fabulous reaches out to me, I am going to reach back. Of course, Liz, it's also good to be a reacher-outer in your career. Yes. You know, we talk about networking and reaching out at work. That's extremely important. Yes. One just bonus tip of the day. I'm reading, or I should say I am listening to <laughs> Sell It Like Sirhant, which is a book by Ryan Sirhant from Million Dollar Listing on Bravo about selling. And one of his tips is when you've met someone, reach out to them immediately. Connect immediately. Don't wait. So it's like, oh, I just met you at the museum. You know, I have a fabulous apartment for you on 82nd Street. But you can apply that to any career. So I thought that was great advice, and I'm trying to incorporate that. Okay. And then we'll do like a whole segment on reaching out at work in a non-creepy way. 
Yes. So do you reach out? Are you a reacher out or do you have trouble reaching out? We want to hear from you. Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This is one of my favorites. We've been doing this for years. Buy personalized canvas tote bags for baby gifts. Yes. Sarah, we buy these either at L.L. Bean or we've just discovered Land's End has a nice one as well. They're usually off-white, and then you choose an accent color, so anything from purple, orange, navy, pink, green. And they're in the $30 range, so they're very affordable baby gifts. Yes, and you can personalize them, and you can usually choose if you want just an initial, if you want it monogrammed, if you want a whole name. You can choose different fonts. And what I like to do is usually when people have their baby announcements, you can see a little bit of the nursery. Mm. Um, Very often you can kind Mm -hmm. of get a sense of the color palette that the parents like, and you can get a color that works within that palette. And we usually get three different sizes. Like we'll get a small, medium, large, or a medium, large, extra large. Mm -hmm. And we'll get, you can choose if you want short handles or long handles. Like they're very customizable. Or a zip top tote or not. So you can open or zip top. We usually get zip top, but sometimes we'll also get one that doesn't have a zipper. And the thing is, many people register for baby gifts. And if there's things they really need, it's great to get them those. But if they're not registered or you don't know the registry or it's just, you know, that's not the direction you're going, we have found that people love these. Because, like, we just recently got one for our friend Bill, who's a writer on Good Girls on NBC, plug for Good Girls. (laughs) And, like, he sends us pictures of, like, the totes in use. And he's like, I love these. Um, so I think people genuinely like them. And you and I both received them as gifts. You gave me one. Oh, That's I did. the first one that I knew oh, about. Okay. Yeah, and I still have it. I think my friend Suzanne gave me one. <laughs> but we use them all the time. All the time. So anyway, that's it. You can buy one, two, three, whatever you want to do, depending on your budget. And we will link to these in the show notes. Yes. and we, Not an ad. We just like them. Yes. And we guarantee the recipients will love them as well. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, so finally, Liz, you had a celebrity sighting this week. Yes, I had a Kardashian-adjacent sighting, Sarah. Our favorite kind. <laughs> I saw Malika Hawk, who is Khloe Kardashian's best friend and has been forever. She's on their show all the time. 
I was getting a mani-pedi, and I heard a voice that sounded very familiar, and I look up, and it was Malika. Uh And I figured out it was definitely her and not her twin sister. She has a twin sister named Khadija, who's also appears on the show from time to time. But Malika has a very distinctive tattoo, like a rosary tattoo on her ankle. Ah. Um, So, of course, I quickly Googled (laughs) and figured all this out while trying not to stare at her. Of course, Um, I have absolutely no idea who she is. I know, but any Kardashian fan out there knows exactly (laughs) who she is. And I will say it took all of my willpower not to start grilling her about the Kardashians because I was in the next chair, but I let her alone. And I left. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe. Please, 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 if you haven't already. Thank you so much to our incredible guest, Felicia Day. Buy her new book, Embrace Your Weird, Face Your Fears, and Unleash Creativity, wherever you buy books. Also follow Felicia on Twitter and Instagram at Felicia Day. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Okay, so Felicia, we already did your intro, so we said how amazing you are and oh, that, all that. Oh, that's good. Yes, so. I like it. We'll include, we'll I feel like I'm in a salad bar. That. A little bit of a salad bar I know, bar it's weird, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Hi. Yeah, just like reach around for some. <laughs> yeah. I know. Get some of those tongs. Yeah, mandarin oranges. <laughs> Sneeze guard. <laughs> that um, is what this is like. It's like a Darth Vader salad bar. Okay, we are ready. From the Onward Project.